Hey everyone, this is Natalie Ivey. And in today's show, I have a special guest, Brad Emler, the Chief Administration Officer with the law firm Canner and Penaluga. We're gonna discuss the importance of HR policies and also management training to minimize organizational risk. This is a great episode for those of you in fast growth organizations. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Natalie Ivey, and I am really happy to have this episode available for you today. I have a guest of mine. His name is Brad Emler, and Brad and I have done some business over the years, and over the years, he's also become a great friend. And we're going to talk about what happens when business leaders really don't consider the HR piece when scaling a business and how that really plays into employee relations. So before we get into all of the meat and potatoes of today's episode, I would really like to just turn it over to Brad and have him talk a little bit about his background and what he's currently doing in HR. Brad, can you give uh, our listening audience a brief bio, please? First off, thanks for having me on the podcast. Certainly uh, look forward to talking a little shop with you today. My background actually stems, um, you know, really about 20 years in uh, various leadership positions, you know, starting with the military, you know, moving into uh, corporate America, so to speak, focusing in the legal industry. About 15 years of the 20 years has been specifically uh, working with law firms and working in their administration uh, to help both HR and operations teams, um, you know, really become um, more effective in the way they provide the support to the law firm itself. Um, and so that the lawyers in the law firm can provide better service to their clients. Yes. How important is that? Yeah, they need to be focused on uh, billable hours and uh, working with their clients not handling a myriad of HR stuff. So um, that's one of the things that I've known about you over the years is that you definitely know how to create that infrastructure and have a really good team around you. So let's get into, uh, thank you for that, Brad, and let's get into the specifics. So from your perspective, Brad, having worked with law firms as long as you have and working in a chief administrative officer capacity, what have been some of your observations about when business leaders really don't consider the HR piece, like that people, HR infrastructure, employee relations, when they're scaling a business? So what are some things that show up that are really problematic to a business? Well, I think, you know, there's a transition that occurs Specifically, I mean, in, I mean, it's not just law firms, but any smaller business that's looking to grow, um, you know, as the business begins to scale and start to grow, uh, you know, from both a revenue and a, a personnel standpoint, you know, they begin to fall back on their heels. And what, what kind of occurs at that point is the operation is really outgrowing its mom and pop policies that yeah. may be, you know, effective when the business was first started. And whether that's, you know, just a kind of a handbook stapled together or maybe a, you know, a dress code policy that's now, you know, just kind of gotten lost in translation from when, you know, the founders initially started the business. And now we're here with say 50 or 60 employees now. And, you know, the uh, casual dress might have a new definition, right? You know, you start to go through that transition as part of that scale process. And then, you know, also with that comes, you know, your business becomes a bigger target as well. And and what I mean by that is, you know, 
certainly with from a lawsuit perspective and certainly from audit perspective uh, from the regulatory agencies that would be overseeing your business in whatever industry that may be. In law, obviously, you know, you have the Florida Bar or the state bar in which your organization works, yeah. um, but it could be certainly other organiz- uh, other you know, governmental agencies overseeing your particular industry. Again, as you're starting to make that move, you know, businesses have to be aware of the fact that they are going to be seen as a larger target in the, in, in the world, in the marketplace. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what that looks like is regulatory fines, penalties. Uh, in some cases, it's expensive litigation. And uh, a lot of what we see today is, especially with turnover, when employees leave, um, it's not just that they're going to leave and go quietly, but they may go file an EEOC charge. Uh, they may decide um, that they're going to take to social media, and now uh, they're going to tarnish your business. And uh, one of the things that you brought up is the fact that your policies have to really evolve from being mom and pop. This is something that I have definitely experienced as an HR consultant. And uh, for listening audience that knows me, you know that uh, I've been in business for 21 years as a consultant, but in HR uh, for over 30. And uh, what happens is that the policies really do just sort of stay static. And then the sort of environment around us is what's really gotten a lot more complicated. It's kind of like trying to run Windows 98 in the current environment. It ain't going to work. <laughs> and, yeah. And then what happens is that we uh, we have things like a, a very weak social media policy, as an example. And now, you know, the owners of the firm or let's say a business owner, uh, whether you're a computer chip company or you're a bakery, you have an ex-employee that is now really, really upset that they were let go. Even if it was justified, they were let go. And now they take to social media and now they really want to tarnish your brand. And then what happens is in some cases, even defamation of people's character. Uh, There are patently false things that are being shared on social media about the business. And now suddenly you find yourself having to do damage control uh, simply because you didn't have necessarily some really good policies in place. Now, obviously, an employee has quit. They can go and say whatever they want. However, you would have had it on record when they were an employee that if you go out and you say these things, uh, that people can be held accountable. So uh, for those of you listening, let me give you a few pieces of advice. Number one is don't have a handbook that's just cobbled together that you Googled. Uh, Number two is as your business starts to grow, and particularly once you get above about the Uh, 15 to 20 employee mark, that's really where almost all of the federal laws you have to comply with. Once you hit 50, that's when the Family and Medical Leave Act is your compliance obligation, 50 or more. Uh, So at 50 or more, you really are in kind of the big leagues where you have a lot of risk exposure. I think just to kind of, you know, tap that off too. I mean, you know, when I, when I, you know, bring up the exposure piece too. You know, if you have five or 10 employees and someone leaves and they're disgruntled and they go and seek out legal counsel, mm-hmm. frankly, even if they have a claim in some cases, it may be just kind of shoved to the side or really not given much credit, mainly because the business itself is not able right. to provide any type of recourse to that individual. And the lawyers, you know, as we all know, get paid based on a lot of times the contingency factor um, sure. of that, you know, particular claim. And so, you know, lawyers may kind of turn away from those particular claims, but it's much different than, you know, being a five or 10 person organization than being a 50 or a hundred person organization. They're going to see that as a deep pocket opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, you know, it's not just the fact that the claim itself may or may not be stronger, but it beco- your business becomes stronger to, um, you know, seek recourse with. Um, yeah. And so I think that's also a consideration why you need to make sure that your, um, your policies and your, you know, your HR administration team um, really kind of, 
make sure all the documents and, and all the things that you have, you know, going with your business grow with the business uh, to make sure that you have the utmost protection. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, this is something that I am out here beating the drum on all the time. So, amen. <laughs> all right. Now, um, often senior HR leaders, Brad, kind of get bogged down in the quagmire of kind of bailing the boat out daily with administrative tasks. And sometimes it's really hard for them to think strategically about that HR infrastructure, as you said, HR administration, and how to be proactive as that business is growing so quickly. And uh, I I like to use this phrase, it's kind of like you're building the car while you're driving it, you know, where it's just so I know you've experienced that over the years as we've talked. I know there have been times that you've had very aggressive growth plans in some of the law firms that you've worked with where it's, you know, opening up one branch, then another branch. So, um, you know, can you talk a little bit about how to manage that balance while scaling, but while also putting in that infrastructure to keep from getting sucked into that day-to-day bailing out the boat? Yeah, I mean, you obviously have to designate a portion of your time to fixing or building the organization while you're, you know, in a sense, flying the organization. And so, you know, whatever that may be, I mean, it's going to be different for every organization. And frankly, for every, you know, based on the size of your team, mm-hmm. what you can, you know, um, what you can certainly set aside to, to do that with. So, you know, maybe it's 25 percent or maybe it's 10 percent. You know, as a leader, you have to set some percentage aside so that you are, you know, making progress with, you know, the evolution of your organization. Dates are a lot uh, easier to accomplish with a team than just arguably saying, you know, we must have a handbook. We must have, mm-hmm. you know, um, an FMLA policy or we must have, you know, rather than get into just, you know, broad, you know, goals, say, you know, by the end of the year, by January 1st, you know, our organization should roll out a new handbook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're in, say, like June or July of the previous year, you and your team should start that process early enough so that by January 1st, um, you're rolling out this new handbook. And, you know, employees, it, it's easier to drop it on employees when it makes sense with a new year, mm-hmm. right? So p- people are accustomed to changes as long as it's, in a way, timed properly as well. And I find, I have found over the years that, you know, if you just drop a, a brand new handbook, you know, August 2nd, yeah. uh, middle of the year, it, it, it doesn't sometimes make sense for the bulk of your you know population. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's a January 1st or like the first week in January, you're dropping that new handbook out. Um, it's a little bit more digestible for the folks. I think that's kind of the, the strategy is to set kind of, you know, dedicated dates to, to make these organizational changes. Right on. Yeah. And that's about strategic goals. Uh, you, you have to create smart goals, right? They have to be specific. They've got to be measurable, <laughs> you know, achievable. They have to be relevant and time bound. And it's kind of like if you said, hey, I want to lose weight. And that's a wish. That isn't really a goal. But if you say, hey, we need a new handbook and it needs to be formatted and include all of these various policies, let's say social media policy, conflict of interest policy or something, and it needs to be rolled out as of January 1. Yeah, that's a lot more concrete and you're much more likely to get the traction in uh, accomplishing that. Yeah, so the other um, question that um, I have for you here is um, in addition to some of those things, are there any tips that you can share um, with the listening audience, Brad, on shifting to a little bit more of a proactive mindset in HR uh, and specifically some things that may help uh, employee relations. What are some proactive steps that um, HR can take? Yeah. So over the years, I've come up with kind of a, you know, a three step or a three phase, um, you know, guide for myself and for the teams that I lead. Um, Mm -hmm. And I call them the three I's. Um, And that's instill, invest, 
and uh, initiate. And and in the instill phase, you know, this is when you're early. Um, you know, you're early in the in the process, and you're just kind of maybe it's you're know you're the it's the first month on the job for you. You know, really, you're going to start building a set of values for the organization. You know, you want to you want to kind of do your own investigation and assessment of you know what's not there and what you're missing. You know, whether that's policies or maybe you know again handbooks or you know whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you want to really you know set a, you know start putting together a set of ground rules first for your actual HR team because you can't have the HR team operating on a different set of rules than what the organization's been operating. I think that's a very key aspect of this, you know, assessment phase and what I call like the instill phase. And then, you know, you're going to slowly with the game plan over time is then to kind of replicate what you've done with your own team into the organization, right? And the only way that you can do that is by investing mm-hmm. the time and training to the kind of the middle management within the organization. Th- those folks are going to become your eyes and ears. Um, and without their help, really, your HR team is going to be defenseless. Uh, Natalie and I have worked numerous times together to help train these folks because, yeah. you know, a lot of times, you know, as, as many of you probably experienced, a lot of these middle management folks have been promoted from entry level roles. And some of them, it may be their first leadership opportunity in their career. Right. Um, and so they've never had any former formal, formal training in the HR world. And so, you know, this is going to be something potentially new for them. Um, and it's spotting things like, you know, if an employee shows up with a cast on. Uh, simple things that you want to identify because you want to make sure did that happen at work? You know, I mean, what what are your limitations? Um, because this can lead into other issues that ultimately will backfire on the HR team. I, I, I can't stress enough the investment component of this. There's so many laws out there now, too, that uh, both state and federal that, you know, need to be adhered to. And it starts with that middle management yep. uh, to kind of be your eyes and ears. And then the last is, I would say, the initiate phase. I, you know, probably the most important step of these three tips is to be the first to act. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, really on the communication side. I, I don't know how many times, you know, our folks have been the first to act, were the first to communicate the rights to a particular employee. I'll use FMLA for an example. If you're the first to communicate with them and send out notice that they're eligible, it goes a tremendous amount of distance with credibility with them. We know, you know, what their rights are. We're telling them ahead of time what their rights are, and we're providing with them with the approval documentation so that they can go out on this leave, mm-hmm. rather than them finding out on their own what their rights are. Right? They already feel that you've already hid something from them, and it turns into a kind of adversarial relationship with HR, as opposed to you know the HR team really being there to support those individuals, and it, it, it changes the dynamic. You know, someone that feels that they're being helped by an organization is going to be less likely to target that organization than if they feel that they're being, you know, almost as if they're just kind of a, a slave to the organization and the organization doesn't really care about them. Um, it, it's just a different dynamic. And if you don't know something or you, you're not familiar with a particular law and you think that it may apply in a certain situation, you know, contact a, a consultant or an employment lawyer early in the process. And I can't stress that enough. Oh, yeah. The earlier that you get them involved, the better protection that the organization is going to have in the long run. Because again, there's many times that, you know, we've gotten into really, really unique situations that I, frankly, in my career, I've never seen before. And before I start just going it, you know, rogue, I'm either picking up the phone and having a conversation with Natalie. We have an employment attorney on speed dial, essentially picking it up and and having a quick chat um, just to make sure that we're checking the right boxes. 
numerous times, you know, I've been actually thinking one way and I speak with the attorney and I realize that that wasn't going to be the right way. And essentially they're, they're saving us, right? They're making sure that we're not going to be uh, subject to a particular issue that we, that we would have had we had just decided to go it alone. And, and so that kind of, you know, as a final cap is HR is not a, an individual game. Yeah, I completely agree. So I love that. Great tip. So instill, invest, and initiate. Well, Brad, I'll tell you what, this has been a really, really great episode. And uh, I knew that you were the right person to talk about scaling a business. You've done this a number of times in your career as uh, an HR executive, and uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, one of the things that Brad talked about, especially in the invest component, is the investment in management training. Uh, For those of you who have listened to my podcast and have been to my various training programs over the years, you know that this is also something that I stress because where are the problems? Where Where are they coming from? When we launch things like employee relations investigations, as an example, and HR has to get involved in, let's say, performance issues, uh, maybe it's a, an employee frustrated with their supervisor over a performance issue or something. Well, where does it start? It starts right as what Brad said at that, that management level, that frontline and mid-management level. When you promote supervisors so quickly from within and they truly do not have the, the skills to know how to handle situations with employees, they haven't been trained in how to do performance management. They don't communicate effectively clear goals and expectations. They want to write an employee up when the employee wasn't sure what the expectations are to begin with. And that's how usually employees start really getting an attitude and get frustrated and want to come forward. So teaching our supervisors some very basic supervision 101 leadership things is critical. But then we also have to teach them that framework of the the risk management part. And, you know, that's why um, the uh, training that I've done over the years, my management program is called Contemporary Leadership, Driving Results and Managing Risk, because we teach them about driving results and doing that really through a team of employees and the basic supervision one-on-one stuff. But then the, the managing risk part is we're teaching them about the framework of the laws. Now, they don't have to go through a level of training that an HR uh, professional has to who deals with compliance every day, but at least we have to give them a heads up of, yes, here's what ADA, here's the, the do's and the don'ts. Here's FMLA, here's what you need to know, do's and don'ts. Here's the Fair Labor Standards Act, here's the do's and don'ts, right? That kind of stuff, because if we cover that, then we're already so far ahead of the game from a risk reduction standpoint. But so many times when organizations really get in the weeds and as a consultant and an external PI, when I come in, it's usually, this is a reactionary thing, right? So investigations and employee relations and problems and issues, those are symptoms of a deeper problem. And it usually is the root cause of leadership. Oh, definitely. And and, and the, the coordination between that middle management and HR is, is such a key component of any successful scaling business. Because again, if you have middle management that is provided information by an employee and they don't share that information with you, right. they're almost going blind in some situations. And it can even you know lead to a decision that you may regret. You know, we've had numerous times where an employee has come and said, you know, I need to take off a, a bunch of time because my, you know, I have a significant other or a parent that's sick. And here they're well within the FMLA guidelines, but if that information is not properly communicated over the HR and all HR feeds is that this is a, an employee who has been absent a ton of times and they make an adverse employment decision because they haven't been fully informed because your management isn't trained to spot that issue. Right. right? Um, you're, you're already starting off, you know, again, in this reactive measure now, because sure enough, the employee, if they're smart, they go out and find out that they have all these rights that, that they're entitled to. And the next thing you know, you're facing down the scope of a plaintiff attorney. Right. And so, 
we have found over the years is just such a you'll get your money back twofold on the money that you spend on them uh, to make sure that they're properly trained. I completely agree. Well, Brad, I have really enjoyed having you on the show today. And uh, to our listening audience, I hope that we've provided you with some really great tips on uh, scaling a business and why we've got to put that HR infrastructure in, policies, procedures, and we've got to do that management training piece. All right, everybody, that is it for today. I look forward to having you back at another one of our HR Investigations podcasts. Have a great one. See ya. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.